on the 12th day of Christmas, improving privacy, frequent password changes, end-to-end -end encryption, open source software, try a different browser, sign in with two-factor delete, all your cookies, check your app permissions, use a VPN, check for updates, know your rights, clear unused apps, and delete your weird browsing history. Merry Christmas for tomorrow, if you celebrate, and welcome to this festive edition of the Technology Pill a podcast that looks at how technology is reshaping our lives every day and exploring the different ways that governments and companies use tech to increase their power. My name is Gus Hossein, and I'm the Executive Director of Privacy International. My name is Caitlin Bishop, and I'm Privacy International's Campaigns Officer. And this week, we're talking about presents. Yay! My favourite part of Christmas. I thought I was supposed to be spending time with family and, you know, going around caroling and spreading love and joy. To be fair, I don't just like receiving presents. I like giving presents because I like the smug satisfaction when you know that you've bought the best present. Like you've bought the present that someone's going to open it and be like, oh, how did you know? Like, you know, when you just get it exactly right and you're so excited for someone to open it. That's the I know, moment but I like. It's, it's it's never that perfect. So, for instance, at PI, we uh, every year we do a secret Santa, and uh, it's something that builds up a lot of anticipation, a lot of excitement, and so you got to sign somebody, and you think, what can I do that this person will appreciate? But what we also do is like when we do the secret Santa, like every secret Santa. Like every office does it slightly differently, but it's all the same idea, which is you get the gift, you open it up and you have to guess who gave it to you. And we've learned over the years to limit those guesses to only two because it gets really cringy. Uh, and and if you open up your gift and it's, and it's a bit crap, who you then guess is it says more about your relationship with that person than it does the and gift like, itself. The longer you go guessing and not getting the right person the more awkward <laughs> it gets it's like exactly. picking teams in school if you're like every single person in the organization and then you get to the end and you're like oh and you're the only one left and i didn't think about you yay <laughs> so we don't do that <laughs> no although we have started to judge people on their horrible wrapping skills that tends to be a good indicator of who might be your secret sample <gasps> i'm so good at wrapping presents i am very good at it but this year, for some reason, my secret Santa gift, I've done a bad job and it makes me so sad. But on the high upside, that might throw people off. Yeah, because I, like, I would just presume it's Millie. Because <laughs> uh, famously, our colleague Millie, uh, she just can't rap for the life of her. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that takes us, I guess, neatly onto the first thing we need to talk about, which is like, what do privacy advocates get other privacy advocates? You know, what is the best privacy gift that you can get someone else? So in last year's Donate to a Charity on behalf of a PI colleague, there were some interesting ones. Like I received a donation to, I think it was the Bletchley Park, actually. Yeah. So it's the, the charity behind Bletchley Park, which is the famous place in, <laughs> in the Second World War where all the cryptographers went and all the hackers went in order to help break the codes of the Nazis. And that's where, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. What's his name? Alan Turing. Alan Turing, indeed. That's where Alan Turing did all of his fascinating work. And so they now have a museum there for that moment in history. And I thought that was a fantastic gift. Is that the one Privacy International got a mention or is that the GCHQ one? 
We got mentioned in the Science Museum's exhibit on the science of spying. Uh, and we're part right. of their exhibit on that. But mostly it's an exhibit about how wonderful GCHQ is, and except for our part. Orcs. <laughs> but no, so if it's the 24th and you're listening to this and you're like, oh, shit. One excellent gift that you could get someone is you can donate to PI. Um, <laughs> because you can do that right now on the internet. Give someone a screenshot and tell them that their facial recognition face mask is in the post. Because if you donate a certain amount to us at the moment, then you can get a face mask. And if you're interested in the process that goes into emphasis on attempting to design a face mask that will help you evade facial recognition, you can listen to our podcast called Evading Facial Recognition and find out a bit more. But yeah, that's one option for you if you're having a last minute panic. If you're looking for general stocking stuffers, because what my family always did was Santa gave you like the Poundland kind of sweets, chocolate and gifts in the stocking. And then my parents gave me actual presents. That's not fair. They're, they're actual presents. The chocolate was particularly important. But um, you can get those little camera covers for, you know, a laptop, a tablet, whatever. And then they tend to be quite cheap and simple to get hold of. And they're a good one. Yeah, and, and I think generally, like privacy advocates, uh, at least the ones I know, we're huge tech fans and tech geeks. So you're not going to find a privacy advocate saying, don't get tech for <laughs> Christmas. We love getting tech for Christmas. I think for us, the biggest thing is don't get tech that's going to be insecure. Unfortunately, there's times where you can spend a lot of money on a piece of tech and that tech is not designed well and it will abuse your data or the data of your family members that you're buying these gifts for, particularly, say, for kids. Which takes us to, if you have bought for people or you're receiving gifts tomorrow morning or your kids are receiving gifts tomorrow morning and they're connected, so, you know, they connect to the internet, they connect to something else via Bluetooth, they connect to any number of things, they're part of the um, internet of things, as it were, then there's something that maybe you're going to want to have a think about before your kid starts using. So we've got a couple of kind of tips, tricks, things to look out for. The first is, A, you can look it up. So Mozilla has a project called Privacy Not Included, where you can look up specific devices you've been given. And they've done like little reviews. They're more roundups than anything else of like, we've looked at the privacy policy and it says this, you know, this is research we found that is concerning or not concerning. And it's connected via this, it's not connected via this. And that's actually really pretty helpful if you're looking for a quick overview. Again, we'll like, we'll include the links down below. But in terms of specific concerns to worry about, one of the things that has been really useful is USPIRG, USPIRG. Us, US Perk, yeah. Perk. US Perk. What does it start you? Public Interest Research Group. Ah, the US Public Interest Research Group have released a report called Trouble in Toyland. And it goes through lots of the different concerns with connected toys, the things that you're going to want to look out for, the things that might make you a little bit nervous if you're unwrapping presents tomorrow morning. And I've got the big ones written down here. And the first is camera concerns. Like if you're unwrapping something tomorrow morning, maybe you know, you're expecting a baby and you're unwrapping a connected, the little camera that goes in baby monitor, or you've got older kids and you're unwrapping any number of pieces of technology and it's got a camera in it, that's where you might want to have a little think. So 
the one that Usberg shouts out specifically is Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. The scenery of your home, as seen from the cart, immediately transforms into a Mario Kart course. It's really cool. So Mario Kart is a very famous Nintendo racing game and Mario Kart Live Home Circuit lets you set up little, a little circuit in your house that you can then drive Mario around and it, you can play it with other people on the actual game. And it also, I think the little car goes around in real life. And it's really cool, but <laughs> there are concerns I hadn't thought about when I bought it for my little brother. So, you know, the game itself prevents people from taking screenshots or videos, which is great because you're, you know, throwing like a video of the inside of your house, the layout of your house, the things that you have in your house to your TV, but people have already found ways around that to like live stream it. If your kid is super into Twitch and you get them this, maybe ask them to think about what they're showing on Twitch because the camera that the researchers found like picked up everything in the room, the layout, expensive items, and other things that could reveal your location, your identity, which isn't which isn't ideal. The game itself doesn't create a detailed map of your house. It doesn't process information about your location, your home, surroundings. It's just that it's recording the video. If you're putting the video anywhere, if the video has been taken, like anything like that, you're going to want to think about. Also, Nintendo had a breach not that long ago about 300,000 user accounts. So again, if, you, if you've got a kid with a Nintendo account, you're going to want to think about passwords, all of that kind of fun stuff to secure their account because kids are many things but <laughs> but not thoughtful on necessarily those aspects indeed like I, I just think it's it's amazing that perg has done this research and have published it and have also tried to elucidate on their concerns about some of the larger companies out there a few years ago we wanted to do similar research around christmas and part of our duty when we're going to publish something, we actually have to give companies a right of response. That is, we can't just publish something about a company that embarrasses them because they might take legal action against us unless we've given them the opportunity to respond. And companies that build toys for Christmas, they have big legal departments because they don't want Christmas to be ruined by a bunch of privacy advocates saying something mean about their products in a, in, a, in a unfortunately timed way, such as in the Christmas shopping season. And that's why you need an organization like Perg to do this kind of research, to prod these companies and to remind these companies, don't screw up because they do screw up. Well, Nintendo don't create maps of your home, but Roombas do because if you get you know, a Roomba under your tree, then one of the things they do in order to successfully vacuum your house sufficiently as possible is create like a map of the layout of your house. And it wasn't it like 2017, they got caught by the New York Times, if I recall correctly, whether it was Roomba or one of the other automated vacuums, mm -hmm. uh, they were selling the data of people's home layouts, not at a level of necessarily that an advertiser could then target you with what they knew, but they were selling all this intelligence onwards. Yeah, like it's sometimes hard to think about the implications of every single item of technology you buy. And sometimes it makes sense. Like I understand why a robot vacuum company, which has like an automation feature, would want to understand how my house is laid out. Like that makes sense. It's just a question there for and am I comfortable with that? Like, what do they do with that information? Does it stay with the device? Does it get sent on? Does it get sold on? Like, so there's this kind of 
questions that come from what do they do to begin with? Am I comfortable with that? What what do they actually do with that information there for? And so on. And there are so many. Like, so one of the other ones is Bluetooth. Bluetooth is not a particularly secure way of connecting to stuff, but it's pretty easy, I guess, which means it's popular. So another one that US Perg found was the singing machine, which is a Bluetooth karaoke microphone. The singing machine. The singing machine. The singing machine. The singing machine. Creating joy through music. Sounds great. Super fun. You know, I remember SingStar. I loved that stuff. But it also doesn't require a pin code or any kind of verification to connect to the device via Bluetooth, which means anyone within a certain radius could just pair their phone to the toy and just start playing audio out of it. And like the researchers found even from outside someone's house, like 30 feet away, they could connect to the device and play audio through it, which is A, a problem already. We've seen people use connected devices to talk to children in ways that are creepy. We've seen that before. And B, one of the things that Asperg pointed out is what a hacker could do is connect and then use that device to talk to your other devices. Like you've got an Alexa. We all know Alexa doesn't particularly distinguish between who's necessarily speaking or where it's coming from. So the more things you have connected, the deeper the rabbit hole can be. And and there are all sorts of concerns around hacking. Like any personalized online account that stores data specific to the toy, the user, the app, whatever, like there are hacking concerns. There have been so many toys that turned out to be super easy to hack. Like there was one that a previous Trouble in Toyland report highlighted called My Friend Kayla. Kayla's so smart and so cute. I hear that a lot. My friend Kayla talks, <laughs> listens to you, plays games with you, and knows millions of things. Kayla was incredibly easy to hack and used recording and artificial intelligence to get to know a child. Like it got to the point Germany banned the toys for sale and urged parents to destroy it. <laughs> Same thing happened with Cloud Pets, which is a smart toy that got turned into a recording device. The, the German banning of that, I think it was also like the intelligence agency banned it from coming into the premises because it could be used. Oh my uh, God. It's hilarious. It's wild. Like this Cloud Pet stuff, it had like insane data issues. Cloud Pets app uses Bluetooth technology to send your messages. Hi, this is Grandma. See you real soon. Hi, Grandma. The toys work like walkie-talkies, so you could send messages to your loved ones like long distance and voice recordings back and forth, like if you have grandparents somewhere else. But there was a huge data breach in 2017. And the database, like more than 2 million voice recordings were hacked, um, many of which were held, were from children and the data set was ransomed. Then like a year later, Mozilla found that the data issues had never been fixed. <laughs> like they'd had this massive hack and hadn't fixed anything. And they were still directing customers to an unsecure website. Like oh, come on. people just stopped selling it, including eBay. eBay wouldn't let you sell it. They're still available on eBay, according to Asperg, but like... Yeah, they're not supposed to be because it's so dangerous. That's just extraordinary. But yeah, it, it, this is how stupid these companies are, but also how hard it is to stop the sale of something. Because even when it's removed from from some shops, uh, it's going to be available elsewhere. But just to go back to your, like, sometimes this is a problem with connected toys generally, because mm-hmm. doing these things right shouldn't be easy. As you say, Bluetooth is bad because Bluetooth is promiscuous. And so putting security on Bluetooth makes it 
inconvenient and makes it hard to set up and would make your Christmas day a living hell because you're going to be reading manuals, trying to figure things out. But that's almost the price of security. I say that because over this past weekend, I was testing out Apple's HomePod minis, deploying them uh, one in one room and one in the other, just to see what th this would be like. And I remember when the HomePod mini was launched, Apple was saying, oh, it has this great intercom capability where you could speak to somebody in another room. And this is very much what you're describing when it comes to these, these toys. I... I'm a relatively smart person. I have used many technologies in my life. I use many Apple devices and some would say Apple spends a lot of money and effort in designing their software and, and devices for idiots like me. And yet it took me forever to figure out how to get the intercom to work. And it's because there's a lot of layers of like, do you want this device to speak to the other device? Do you want this device to listen? Do you want this device to speak? And that's what permissions and security kind of looks like Apple manages to make it even more complicated because of identity layer issues about like Apple IDs and whatnot. But that's security. And it takes a lot of time. If you take something out of a box on Christmas Day and it works and communicates with other things <laughs> with great ease, that means somebody across the street could do the same thing or somebody in a car yeah. nearby can do the same thing. And that's not good. But that's maybe why we shouldn't be doing these things in the first place. I mean, one good piece of advice is it is handy to know what your kids are getting before they do. Because kids are kids, they get excited you know, they rip open the box and they want to play with the thing right now, which is why I imagine like lots of parents have already thought, I better have some batteries on hand, better have a screwdriver, like all that stuff. This is another aspect of that. Like it is useful to know beforehand what the sort of things you want, might want to do are already. And I would argue that whether there's a Bluetooth or a security and privacy problem, particularly because you use the example of a karaoke microphone, mm -hmm. anybody out there who's buying a karaoke microphone for some other kid Definitely check with the parents first because it's infuriating and annoying and loud and they're going to use it a lot and you've just ruined Christmas. <laughs> I tend to check with my dad before I might buy my little brother things, but it's just because he has so many things. Like he just has so many things. How? He has so many Legos. I don't understand how one child like... Anyway, that's a different round for a different On the day. Lego thing, I, um, you and I are both huge fans of the TV show Community. Mm -hmm. In Series 3, the wonderful actor, M Michael David Washington, I think that's his name, he was in The Wire. He recently passed away, and uh, he, he was the biology teacher and he uh he, he just came out of prison as as a character in the in the show and he's a, he's teaching biology and he has this great soliloquy where he says um you know i've been away for a long time but can somebody tell me what happened to lego when did it become so complicated you know it used to just be nice and simple and just colors and now it's like harry potter lego and this lego and this mm -hmm. lego and that just, it was this beautiful speech he gave but yeah lego is freaking complicated now and it's freaking expensive and lego is one of the companies that has done incredibly well in the pandemic mm -hmm. it's michael k williams is his name michael k williams that's but yeah the lego thing like when my brother was really really small he didn't like building it so my dad would go in and build all the bits and like stick them together and then he wanted oh. to play with the thing he liked the aesthetic but not necessarily the process and at least now he builds stuff so that's good but no, so if you're like, so you get the stuff, you're a bit freaked out, you don't really know what to do, like, we've had a look around and the, the ICO, the UK's Data Protection Body has some really useful advice.
the first one is change the default passwords. You know, if anything has an account, if any passwords are required at any point, change them. Change them to strong passwords. That might mean your kid is asking you quite a lot to put the password back in. So maybe you want it to be memorable and a password manager can help you with creating passwords that are memorable and strong, but do not, do not, do not leave it as zero, 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 whatever. One, two, three, four, whatever the password is, password, change it. And and, and if you haven't bought a gift for somebody yet, get them a license or an account on a reasonable password manager yes. app or whatever. Just make sure it's one of the, the secure ones and reputable ones, because that's the gift that keeps on giving. Yes. Yes, it is. And, you know, if they're older, I help them set it up because I help my mom and she finds it so useful. But like the, there was a little bit of friction with the initial process and that can be a present as well, like a little bit of computer support for elder relatives. They really appreciate it. So you get the victory twice. It's like an hour of frustrating time and then it's done and they like it. But yeah, and use two-step authentication where possible. It's not available everywhere. Like not every single app or phone or device you're going to try and use is going to let you do it. But if you can, do it. Because again, there have been so many instances of cameras getting hacked, creepy hackers talking to your kids through stuff like where possible, just use two-step verification. And I know it's a little bit awkward because this is the time that, you know, companies, when they say you're setting up two-factor authentication, that they're asking for an email address or they're asking mm-hmm. for your mobile number or whatnot. And it feels like they're invading your privacy in order to protect your privacy, but they kind of have to. There are ways of doing this in a much more secure manner that doesn't involve you having to disclose more information, but it's a little bit harder to manage. And I think, you know, in a couple of years time, that might be the case. Another thing a password manager can help you with, generate Exactly. a one-time password code for two-step exactly. verification. Exactly. Because it has been, at one point in time, Facebook, the <laughs> I'm allowed to swear in this exact circumstance, they were caught using the, your phone number that you would give them for two-factor authentication. They were caught using it for other purposes. And they, they, they crossed a line that should never have been crossed. And hopefully, they got burned sufficiently over that, that no other company would ever do that. And that where it's possible to set up two-factor that that data is only being used to help secure your account and not for that company to exploit. Next one, if you can, try and turn off remote viewing options. So if you want to view video of the internet, and this comes back to what we were saying, like sometimes you can see why something wants the permission for the thing that you're trying to let it do. So if you want to like view video from the distance because it is, say, a connected baby monitor, like... You're going to want to keep that permission on, which kind of sucks. But um, if you don't, then turn it off. Like it's a general rule of thumb. If you don't, if you yourself aren't going to use the permission for something, turn it off. You know, if something's got default location tracking on GPS settings, like just turn it off if you're not going to use it. Because if you don't want to use it, you don't want anyone else to use it either. And if you are going to use it, if possible, set strong and unique passwords. And it's the same if you want to use something's Bluetooth, set a password or a pin to connect to the thing. If you don't want to use it, keep it off. And if it doesn't let you set a password or a pin, like with Bluetooth stuff, just think about like what your risk concerns are and if it's worth using at all, or if it's worth quietly donating and not telling the relative that gave it to you. 
that that is yeah. what you've done. And and generally, it's also good for battery life to have all these things off yeah. unless you're actually using it. But if you're using shoddy technology and you're only even just temporarily turning on location tracking or GPS, you don't know what other type of data is leaking from the device at that moment in time when you're turning on this additional flow, which is, again, why it's worth checking before you buy. Um, yeah, and then if you like- can't control it. Google the product as well. Like, just Google it because or any that, other search engine. To, those toys, like the Kayla doll, the the smart cloud pet, or whatever. Like, those were big controversies for that were a few years ago. Like, you might easily never have seen it, never have remembered it. Yeah. So it's always worth googling a product and exactly. just seeing and, what's out and there. And if there's something negative out there, going back to our earlier point, there's something negative out there written by written about a, a company's toy product when it mm. comes to security and privacy. You better believe it because again, these companies have big lawyers mm-hmm. who would fight anybody making a claim that's not true. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, be warned if if it's like these. Fortunately, security researchers are out there doing this kind of research all the time and getting this data out to people and journalists are writing up about it. Believe it, Mm -hmm. because doing this stuff right is so hard and Mm. so unsexy and doesn't come in a nice box and isn't cheap. And uh, so, yeah, beware. Yeah. And if you get, you know, a new tablet, a new phone, a new computer, we have your back. And it's the same if your kid gets one. We've got a ton of guides on our website about how to protect yourself from online tracking that go through, you know, all sorts of things. So how to install an ad blocker on iOS, how to opt out of targeted ads and renew your advertising ID on Android, how to like all sorts of bits and pieces, how to adjust your settings in Chrome, like a lot. So you can go through those and see. And I'd also suggest like if you're visiting family, uh, whether it's Mm -hmm. older family or a younger family, ask them if, you know, if you have additional skills, ask them if if you can help them on these these issues of security and privacy. And of course, always ask for permission to access their devices, (laughs) but use these guides just to batten down some of the hatches that they may have left open, particularly for things that they bought during, say, Black Friday. And Mm -hmm. uh, you just want to make sure that your loved ones are, are protected. And you now that you're listening to this podcast, you know, we have these guides and you can go and just yeah make sure your loved ones are are safe speaking of black friday and that safety one of the things we wanted to have a quick check about was amazon ring so amazon ring cameras uh, often just called ring cameras because amazon doesn't necessarily want you to know that they own them was super cheap over black friday because they're an Amazon company. And we've done a lot of work on Amazon Ring cameras. They're not our favorite. So, you know, if you bought some for yourself, if you looked at the deal and thought maybe, but, you know, didn't quite go there, if someone bought some for you and they're now gifting them to you, we thought it might be good for you to know about the extensive surveillance partnerships between Amazon Ring and law enforcement all around the world that is currently creating an interconnected surveillance network that poses a serious threat to our privacy and other freedoms. Yeah, so we, 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 we just thought, you know, quick PSA, if you're receiving an Amazon Ring camera, if you've just bought one, um, please go read our excellently titled report, One Ring to Watch Them All, which I, I really it. enjoy. Yanis came up with the title and you can tell because it's kind of genius all about how it kind of rings many, many agreements with different law enforcement around the world, where police departments 
undertake to advertise and recommend Ring Doorbell products to individuals in exchange for access to a law enforcement neighbours platform. So if your local police department has you know, been giving out Ring cameras, which has happened before, if they've been advertising them, if they've been telling you they're really, really good, um, yeah, it's a slightly odd advertising relationship that it might be useful for you to know a bit more about. So link is in the description. Excellent. Their report is called One Ring to Watch Them All. Excellent. And they suck. <laughs> One last area of of gifts. I've completed my Christmas shopping early because living in Britain right now, you don't know what's going to get delivered at any moment in time because of Mm -hmm. uh, various shipping challenges. But I've been buying a lot of books and I was wondering if we wanted to maybe name one or two of the favorite privacy friendly books that you might be buying for your loved ones. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, there's two books that I've bought a number of copies. The first is Empire of Pain by Patrick O'Keefe. I knew Patrick for about two minutes back, about 15 years ago when he was at the LSC. He came to one of the courses we ran on on privacy. And not taking any credit for it, but a few years later, he wrote a book about uh, the intelligence agencies. And now his latest book is about the Sackler family and the opioid crisis. And it's just an fascinating investigation into a family and its company and how they manage to skirt scrutiny and how American regulatory system is broken. Fascinating. Uh, you won't be able to put it down. And the second, with a bit of a stronger privacy angle to it, is how emotions are made. If I could buy this for everybody, I would. It's by Lisa Feldman Barrett. She just describes the science behind emotions and how emotions can't just be observed. Even a smile isn't necessarily an indication of happiness. And early on in the piece, in in the book, she focuses a little bit on like terrorist detection systems that try to identify emotions and how lots of money was invested in them and how they're basically crap. But then she just spends the rest of the book going so deep into what is emotion how it's linked to language, how it's linked to intelligence, how it's linked to the body, how it's linked to the brain. Fascinating. It just changes your entire perspective on 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 humans and what separates humans from other animals. It's just amazing. Again, you won't be able to put it down. It's a wonderful gift to get. And for what it's worth, it's been recommended a lot. Both those books have been recommended a lot over the last few months. And so when I went to the neighborhood bookshop, there were multiple copies of these books on the shelves. I rated it, uh, the local <laughs> one, but uh, yeah, I think this, these are well-known gifts for this year. Nice. The closest thing that I've been reading, I guess, I've been reading a book called The Book of Trespass which is amazing. It's fascinating. It's a book about kind of how land is wound up in the UK, specifically where in the hands that it's in and how the laws on trespass versus land held in common and the right to roam in the UK have all kind of developed. And it's this guy and like every single chapter is a piece of trespass that he has done. It's like a little story of some trespassing that he's done in the context and information about the place that he's trespassing. And so it gets into the history of land ownership in the UK and slavery and all sorts of things. And it's really, really interesting. And it's, it, it's relevant for privacy in some ways because it talks a lot about why people have the the relationship people have to I suppose in one sense privacy but in another sense kind of like walls ah it's really 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 good that sounds fascinating I'd love to read that Okay. okay yeah that one's very good
speaking of Christmas gifts, which we have been all episode, but speaking more about them, this year has kind of been a big year for our legal team. And one of the Christmas presents we got last week, an early Christmas present, was from the UK's data protection regulator, who provisionally, emphasis on provisionally, unfortunately, but has decided to fine Clearview AI, the facial recognition company, £17 million for breaching data protection rules, which is extremely exciting. And if you want to know more about the provisional decision, then you can listen to last week, not last week, two weeks goes now that when this goes up's episode, yes, which I think is titled Victory. And... Yeah, but it's been a big year generally. Like we got a judgment from the highest European court, which found that uh, certain UK laws about how the intelligence agencies can spy on (laughs) internet communications, breach our right to privacy and freedom of expression. So it's been a big, cool year and we've won a lot of times. We started the year winning like a five-year-old case against the UK government that had to go to the UK Supreme Court on whether or not the UK government had to pay attention to 250 years of jurisprudence on search and seizure because they discovered this really cool thing called hacking and they don't want to abide by uh, (laughs) precedent on how (laughs) hacking should be done. And so, yeah, we managed to force them into court. Which sounds like a long, like a long fought victory when five years until you find out the European Human Rights Court case took eight. So was it eight? I think it was eight. Yeah. 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 So like our legal work can take years to produce a result, often at great financial expense over a long period of time. Yes. And risk, indeed. And a great deal of risk. And we're challenging for-profit companies, governments with a significantly bigger budget than ours, which means that the odds are heavily stacked against us quite frequently. So if you've got a little bit of extra cash now that you're coming up to Christmas, you've bought all the Christmas presents, so you may well not have any extra cash, or you might kind of finally have a better view on the amount of money you do have. But maybe you could you could throw us a couple of quid to help us. Exactly. And the kind of research we talk about in this podcast done by these other excellent organizations like US Perg and, and Mozilla, of course, uh, by all means, don't donate to them. But We'd also like to continue doing this type of tech research. And we have a podcast about that kind of work that we've been doing, and we want to expand that going forward. So, yeah, please consider donating to us for that as well. These are both, well, so much worthy work going on in the world and so much more needs to be done. So if anything, just find your friendly neighborhood privacy organization and and give them a donation. But we would very much appreciate it if you go to pvcy.org slash donate pill. Thanks for listening. We're going to be taking a little break for the rest of the year, and we'll see you again towards the end of January 2022. You can find out more about PI and our work at privacyinternational.org. And if you want to chip in and support us, you can at pvcy.org slash donate pill. Like and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you use. It's also available on our website. Yes. And then to play us out, we've got a little Christmas poem. A little Christmas story time from all of us to you. And we hope you have a lovely Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house, nothing was stirring, not a click of the mouse. You check the permissions on the app with care. So when you're tracking Santa, you control what you share. Your kids watch Santa's GPS from their beds and you rest easy knowing the app's not tracking you instead. When Christmas is over, all it takes is a tap. 
to halt sneaky data collection, delete old apps. To stop big tech's bank account getting fatter, you can take more steps this Christmas to help them matter. Your festive family memories, photos with a flash, all full of biometric data companies can't wait to stash. Companies like Clearview, they don't want you to know. To build a database of our features online, they go. Scraping photos from company blogs and social media with three billion faces, they might even have Santa's reindeer. With companies like Clearview, here's a little trick. Ask your loved ones before you share your festive pics. Make your social accounts private, don't play their game. Tell the people you love too that this practice is lame. Another industry you can help in nixing, ad tech companies where privacy doesn't fit in. They profile, track, and try to know it all. But an ad blocker takes a few seconds to install. When the Christmas sales land and you search what to buy, an ad blocker will help prevent those wanting to pry. These third parties make money knowing about you. Tell your friends family as they can all be at risk too. Check your settings to see if they're tracker proof. All it takes is a few minutes to prevent a goof. Switch off location services from following you around. Same for personalization, it's an ad tech playground. For tech under the tree, these settings can't be overlooked. They can help to minimize personal data output. Your loved ones will be safer from a hack by updating the settings to stop those who want to track. Your loved ones across the world have started getting merry, but before starting a video chat, be wary. Check for end-to-end -end encryption, you privacy pro, to keep your celebrations private like precious cargo. The same goes for sending that happy Christmas text. Encrypted will make surveillance companies vexed. Indiscriminate surveillance is a bit scary, but this Christmas, the data from you will vary. By taking this Christmas to protect yourself, your data and privacy settings will be in much better health. You've made some changes and used your head, and the more people like you, big tech will dread. These data exploitative practices won't work if everyone takes some time to stand up to these jerks. This Christmas, you've limited the data you disclose. You can enjoy this time without feeling exposed. So, so wait, wait for, for Santa, Santa and his reindeer, reindeer to visit your house, house and enjoy your time with your friends, children or spouse. Remember that privacy is your fundamental right. Happy Christmas to all, and, and to all, all a good night. Music courtesy of Sepia. Additional audio via fair use and licensed under Creative Commons. Details are in the description. This podcast is produced by Max Bernal for Privacy International.